Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Are you ready for the greatest show in fantasy football history hosted by the incomparable Scott Connor and the one and only Ray GQ? I present to you Destination Chill where football and fantasy collide. What is good, everyone? Wednesday, September 20th, 2023. Destination Chill is back. A pre-week three episode, and this is the Running Back Reckoning Show. We're back for another week, and this is a topic... We're just going to get right into it. We could probably do a little bit of an intro, plug some stuff, but no, we're going to jump right into the, the topic that has been taking the fantasy space by storm for the first two weeks of this year. Running backs. There's been... Probably, if I'm counting them, seven, maybe eight running backs that we would have probably put in the top 20 or so already, Ray, that have gone down with multi-week injuries, if not season-long injuries. We saw the Chubb injury Monday night, lost David Montgomery, or without Eckler and Aaron Jones this past week. Like it, it just seems like it's more absurd than ever, but really it isn't. This is something that we've been talking about for two years, and I think a lot of our strategies have already kind of gone around the fact that we expect this to happen. And so you're getting to a point now where everybody's talking about it. You've even mentioned to me a couple times where some real high-profile people are now saying, man, why would I ever draft a running back again? And it's like, man, as soon as everybody starts doing that, does it become the edge? Even if you can tell me, and I've said this many, many times, even if you can tell me it is the best way to play from a data perspective, at some point if everybody's doing it, it's not a good idea. So welcome in, my friend. I'm excited for this. I know you have a ton of thoughts. We've had so many good voice chat conversations over in the Heisman chat in the last year and a half about this topic. And I'm like, we have to do a destination chill on it tonight. So what's good, man? Man, I mean, it's it's crazy. You know, it's it's something that, that we, I don't want to say we saw or we knew, but we have been talking about this for a while with the position. You know, you did the series, the 60-40 percenters, talking about running backs over the summer. We've, these are things that we've continued to talk about inside of our Discord. And now that it's actually playing out in the fantasy space where these running backs are not producing, they're sharing the backfield, they're playing 1A, 1B, it's 50-50 splits, the injuries are occurring. You know, we before the season, Scott, I said, if there were ever a time where it feels like running backs would sit out or fake an injury or prolong an injury – Feels like that would happen this season based on what was happening going into the season. And then you watch what happened on Monday night from a, for, a, from, for a player in to a player that, regardless if you're a fan of the Cleveland Browns, I've, I've heard nobody say anything bad about Nick Chubb. Everyone respects his game. You hear the, the, the narrative or the, 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 the phrase, he's the best pure runner in the NFL. So to see that happen to him on Monday night, it, it just makes you think, and then you see the reaction from the other running backs, Derrick Henry, Saquon, all these players reaching out to Nick Chubb and, you know, prayers up. You don't think Josh Jacobs or Derrick Henry or Saquon Barkley are thinking about that situation right now. So it's just, um, it's a very interesting time from when we came into the dynasty space and running backs, man, you have a premium running back. That's three first round picks you're going to have to trade in order to in order to acquire that player. So um, it's a it is a very interesting time in the space. And and Scott just left me. Scott left me. It's a very interesting time in the space. I'm used to doing this solo, so I could do it by myself. But you know he'll he'll be back in a minute. I ain't worried about Scott. But real talk, man. That's what we want to get into tonight. Talking about how do we react now? What do we do? How do we how do we navigate this landscape where it seems like nobody wants to run him back? Nobody in our league wants them. You kind of want them, but you don't want to pay for them. It's interesting. You go to keep, keep trade cut right now, and you see the top 10 running backs. And I'm a Cowboys fan, y'all. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan through and through. And when I sit there and I see Tony Pollard sitting as RB5 in Dynasty, it, it, it that even gives me some sort of pause right there. So it's it's... It is the hottest topic in the fantasy space right now. It is a very interesting time 
if you roster these high-end running backs or mid-level running backs. And that's what we want to dive into tonight, how we navigate this. Come to have some real talk conversations. I see a lot of people out there panicking on Jameer Gibbs because he's not slamming it up the middle 20 times a game. Have some real talk conversations about these situations. Najee Harrison, Jalen Warren, you're seeing it play out in front of your eyes. So we, we've got we've to just be real with the position. And I think once you understand or at least have an idea of where we think or predict the future landscape of the running back position to be at a year or two from now, it, it makes it makes navigating those waters a little easier. So, Scott, I just set the scene for sort of what we're going to talk about, gave some real examples, and we can just keep going, man. Yeah, I was checking through, um, unfortunately, how many Nick Chubb shares I lost and I clicked out of the room accidentally. So my bad, everybody. Uh, but yeah, this is a topic that, I mean, I've talked about it a lot on my podcast of how you can set yourself up for success at running back. And a lot of that's through roster construction. A lot of that is through basically not ever holding. Because here's the thing we have to assume. In most leagues, not all leagues, and I'm sure people are going to say in the chat, you know, my league overvalues running backs. One thing that Shane and I saw all the time when we did roster reviews, the shallower the league, the less advanced the league. You can probably think of some of your home leagues, Ray, where, man, running backs are still king. Even though you're on this other side making content, understanding dynasty values, you get into a home league, even if it's a home keeper league or a home dynasty league, it feels like there's those types of leagues where people are still going to value the bell cow running backs. They're still going to overdraft the Najis of the world and the Joe Mixons of the world. Even though you're sitting there going like, that's the last range that I'm going to draft. Unless it's best ball, unless I can't take advantage of trading or waivers, like I have no interest spending my hard-earned capital or my scarce capital on those types of players. And part of it in Dynasty is now, if the injury happens, what happens, Ray? You lose... I don't even want to go Nick Chubb, J.K. Dobbins, because those are devastating injuries. Those right, are season-long, right, right. career-altering injuries. But tell me what happens if you just lose a Saquon for a month because of a high ankle sprain. And it's one of those where, is Saquon going to come back this year? Yeah. Hell, they almost talked about playing him tomorrow night, right. which is crazy. But even if he's going to miss two or three games, but you're also telling me, all right, this is the third year out of four Saquon's been injured. Seems like it's always a knee or an ankle or a foot or a hamstring. You know, it's always a lower body injury. And it's one of those where, you know, now we have so many great Twitter doctors out there. They will tell you, man, that that hamstring strain, you know, that MCL sprain or whatever yeah. it is, like that's going to linger, right? He's not going to be the same all year. So now you're thinking about, man, I like Saquon. I think he could be a difference maker six weeks from now. But you, you'd be lying. Is that in the back of your mind when you're thinking about, man, if he doesn't come back from that injury and I buy at 80%, I'm blowing 80% of my capital on Absolutely. something risky. Or Josh Jacobs, man, he had a great game, but someone else is willing to sell. But what's in the back of your mind? I don't know if he's going to be on a team where he cares in week 16, week 17. Right. Like you've talked about that too. So when there's anything that disrupts, this is where we're going to start the conversation. When there's anything that disrupts the then, the now, the outlook for the near future. And when I say near future in Dynasty, we're talking about week three, not week five. Right now, this weekend, Ray, is this running back healthy? And anything aside from that, a lingering injury, a bad team where the offensive line is completely shot. Yeah, yeah that guy's probably not going to do much behind that line. What goes through your mind when someone says, Ray, what would you pay for Josh Jacobs? What would you pay for Saquon Barkley? What would you pay right now for a guy that's been awful through two weeks, Damian Pierce? What would you pay when someone asks you that question on a stream or in the Discord? How do you even process that valuation? What, yeah, what goes through your mind when you're thinking about that? It's a risk assessment at that point because I'm looking at the asset of a Josh Jacobs, an Austin Eckler, a Saquon Barkley, and you, you've got to look at it from every end of the spectrum. I'm thinking about the high-end outcome. You know, if I do acquire this player and they do come back and they are healthy, then I have gained a significant advantage in my league to help my quest of winning the championship. So I'm going high-end. I'm also thinking about the worst-case scenario. Okay, if I buy this Damian Pierce and he's just a jag and he ends up splitting work with Devin Singletary and whomever the hell else they have running the ball – 
and he's not some sort of running back that can command it out of the backfield and they replace him next year. Like, what did I just pay for? Or worst case scenario, I spend this money or spend this capital or spend this asset or tear down or tear up. And I, and I move off of a young liquid piece for one of these aging veterans and they go out there and, and tear an ACL or pull an Achilles. And then I'm trying to weigh all of that. I'm weighing all of that with my league. Is there somebody else in my league to where if I buy this Saquon, can I move him to somebody else at, at, at some point in time? There's a lot of stuff that goes through, right? There's a lot of things that factor in to the decision to acquire a running back and especially a running back that's up there in age. And this is what makes trade shows so difficult. This is what makes advice when people just ask you, hey, Scott, would you trade this and this for this player? I mean, on, on face value, I can tell you yay or nay, but the real answer is, and I know people hate this, it really does depend. I need a lot more information before I give you an, an actual actionable response that you can apply and feel good about because every situation is different. Scott, if you're playing in a league and you know the, the group sentiment is I have no love for Brock Purdy whatsoever, nobody wants him, they all, they all crap on him every chance they get, you acquire that asset, you're assuming the risk of that player assumption of the risk and you just have to go through that when you're talking about the running backs in particular man yeah i mean that's when someone comes to me and says should i buy this running back should i sell this running back sure i can think of the prospect or the player that they're asking about saquon versus damian pierce like i probably have a pretty good way to analyze which one of those guys has a ceiling that if it all goes right i'm interested in the other guy in this case damian pierce if everything goes right, what am I getting? So when you do it that way, that's a very basic analysis to say the first thing we're probably looking for best case scenario, is it actually impacting my team? The second thing mm -hmm. is, you know, if anyone's checked out the new tool, the war tool on destinationdevy.com just went live last week. This is why, especially at running backs, the roster construction is so important. You have to understand, Ray, am I in a 10 team start nine? Or am I in a 12-team start 12? What matters in both of those leagues, the threshold is way different, which means the player pool has to be looked at a little bit differently. Right. If you're in a shallow league, running back analysis is pretty easy. Can they win my league? And if they can't, I probably can find replacement value pretty cheap, right? When you get into deeper leagues, when you get into best ball leagues where you're actually valuing spot start production, you're valuing... Even a floor. In best ball, give me guys with a floor. I don't care if it's sexy. Give me guys that are healthy and give me guys that are getting touches. That's the cutoff. So you mm -hmm. have to understand where it matters within that threshold in your league. And a great way to do that is using the war analysis. Go through the roster construction. Kind of look at where the peaks and valleys are. Where does it mm -hmm. flatten off? And then transpose that with your running back landscape. Make your own tiers. You don't got to use raise or keep trade cut. Make your own. And just go, okay, here's where I think it flattens off in my tiers. And then here's where the war analysis in my league says right. it probably flattens off. And go do that analysis. You can't even analyze a running back trade until you've done that. And then you come to me and you say, all right, Ray, someone offered me James Cook. And I have to give him Marvin Mims and a 25 first. Now that may be pricey. But before I can give you an answer on whether I would do that or not, most cases I probably wouldn't pay that much. But I'd need to know the context of your league. A, does James Cook matter? Does this scoring format or does this setup warrant a player like him being one that I'm comfortable buying? Mm -hmm. B, I have to figure, what else do you have, Ray? Because people, how many times do people ask you questions? Hey, should I buy Travis Etienne? Mm -hmm. And what, what do they say? I'm a little weak at running back. Then they list off their running backs, and it's McCaffrey, Rashad White, and another top 20 running back. Yeah. You're going, dude, you're not weak at you're running good. back. Yes. If anything, you're, you're overextended. The last right. thing you should do is blow that first on another running back. And mm -hmm. now if things go wrong, you have no liquidity, and you have too many running backs, and probably you're not going to be able to move the running backs for much compared to what they're worth to your team. So it's that type of analysis that, it's not even about the player at that point. It's about, does James Cook fit on your team? Would I pay a first for James Cook? No. But if I have a baller team and I don't have any running backs, 
I may consider it because I know everything I could get from James Cook, it's going to be in my lineup. And I'm just going to play him to start him. I'm not playing him to put him into a backfield where I'm bogging it down with three or four similar players. I have to make decisions because you also know those are not flexible assets if it goes wrong. If James Cook goes out there and doesn't produce for two weeks, nobody wants it. So it's and that's generally hell, the entire hell for player two pool. quarters. I mean, that started on Sunday. One I mean, game, a, a quarter and a half, he was getting out touched and out snapped by Lap Murray and all this other stuff, and people were already. I told you he wasn't a workhorse. He ended up scoring a lot, but I mean, we're talking about James Cook and saying these names. I, people want to know, like people really want to know, do they matter anymore? You know, you and I have been in lockstep with the running back position since the time we met. We were like. The right ones matter to the right ones absolutely matter until they don't. And then the rest of them, we just kind of don't, we didn't really care. Like we didn't really, like they just were like, whatever, just give me, give me some bodies. But now people, people, I'm seeing more and more people legitimately say like, I don't want to draft a running back ever again. I don't want to take any of them. And then it doesn't help when you have a profile type running back, like a Jameer Gibbs, who doesn't come out week one, week two and smash right irregardless of the fact that he led the team in targets in week two that doesn't matter he has not smashed he hasn't scored any touchdowns so people are like i don't want him charbonnet is not doing anything kendra's been hurt alvin kamara's cut people legitimately are saying i just don't want to pay for this position anymore you look scott i've never seen in 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 the years this is year eight in dynasty for me I've, I look at the top 10 that the community consensus put together. Keep trade cut. I'm just using that. I've never seen so many old guys or so many unproven assets or one-year hits or running backs with that. I, I look at it, I'm just like, I've never seen the landscape look like this. I mean, James Cook was RB 40-something some months ago, and now he's damn near a top 12 running. There's no way I'm paying that for that player. I just can't do it, man. I just can't do it. So do they matter? People want to know, do they matter anymore? Well, speaking of that, Kyron Williams, RB18. Come on, on man. Cut. Now. Hey, everybody th- needs I hey, Y'all, y'all tried to crap on me for those film grades a couple of years ago. It's paying off, baby. Kyron Williams is finally paying off. But hell, I never thought he'd get the d- damn RB18. I didn't, I didn't think that. That's, that's off of what? Scott, one game? One game. He's RB18. Think about that. Think about that from a from a stock a stock market perspective. If you bought some penny stock that 50xed overnight, like which I, I'm just selling. I don't even care, man. Like get all like that's what he is. He was no, Kyron Williams was wasn't, wonder, wasn't worth anything in Dynasty a month ago. Nothing. Maybe there were some people that had some conviction that maybe he could work his way into that backfield, but to catapult all the way up to this. This isn't this is not the type of dynasty that we walked into. This is an entirely different game, and if you're not keeping up with this ever changing market, you will be left behind. You, like people get talk talk about holding the bag. That's what's happening right now because it, the game has never been this reactionary, Scott. Ever. It, it hasn't. But let's let's dissect this because I think this is a microcosm of exactly what we're talking about in this show tonight. So everybody check out, go to Keep Trade Cut, look at Kyron Williams. You can click on him. You can look at the graph of where he was versus where he is now. And just everyone go check that out. You'll just see the meteoric rise. Now, it's twofold because it says he's he's Keep Trade Cut running back 18, right? Okay. Now, you see how quickly he got there. We're looking at that going like, if you would have told me this two weeks ago, that he would be ahead of this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy. And you know what? He's going to go higher now that Nick Chubb is down. That's at least one he's just going to pass yeah. by default, right? Because, hey, that unfortunately, Chubb's not coming back, may never come back again. So he's just going to fall. So the point is, like, we saw a guy go from, what was he a month ago, right? Even when he was getting a little bit of buzz in training RB camp. RB75, August 16th. Okay, August 19th, he was RB73. Okay, so I usually look at anything outside of the top 40-ish, maybe top 50. After that, what are you? You are a body. You have a purpose on my team. It's to be on my bench, and I probably want to have enough of those guys where if there's a couple injuries, maybe I have some found money later on. That's all he was. 
A lot of guys come from that range. Some stay there, some fade away, some rise all the way up to damn near RB18 like he has. Now, here's my question to you. He's RB18. I actually could see an exercise if we got 10 other people from this chat and we did a a startup right now and we said you're going to have to play this in a one to two year window, which is damn near what everybody does in Dynasty now anyway. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be shocked if he was drafted in the top 20 to 30 running backs. Maybe not RB18, but there would be that point where someone got 20 running backs deep and they would go, I still got to build out a roster. Kyron Williams looks like he may get a chance to be the guy on a team we thought wouldn't be good, but might be okay this year. Someone will click the button on him, RB24, 28, 26. Like someone will still pay something very close in a startup. Now, Ray, have you tried to put any Kyron Williams on the block? I have. Put Is there anybody Ky- that... I've put some Kyron on the block. I have. Has, has there been an offer anywhere close to buying out? Absolutely not. What, his use is to you to what no. somebody would actually give you not even close not even close not not even close and isn't that the theme with a lot of running backs that maybe they've survived the injury bug this year maybe they look a little better than we thought they were going to be until you go and you try to realize the value that keep trade cut or a trade calculator says they should be and the trade value is non-existent so what when i tell you that hey all these running backs they could be top 30. That's probably where they should be valued. Yet, you take the top eight or lower running backs right now and go try to trade them, immediately the person that you're trying to trade with, what do they do in their head? They're probably uh-huh. doing something like that analysis we did earlier, right? Man, I, I, don't, I, I don't need that guy right now. I don't want to give up my first. I don't even want to give up my two seconds. I, I'll worry about it later when I don't have a running back. And then they right. come to you in two weeks when all their running backs are hurt, Ray. They want your Kyron Williams for a second and a third. Uh-huh. And you're going, ah, man, like now I know I'm bailing you out. You did not want to play ball two weeks ago, but yep. now you do because you need one. So it's, need one. it's interesting. You can't cash any running backs out. Probably, I mean, Chase said it in the chat. I saw what running backs are even worth a first. Yeah, I got that star. Yep. I mean, it's... How many? God, how many? How many are worth a single for? And this whole conversation of worth, worth, worth in terms of what? Worth in terms that's, of that you would pay for. Uh, let me uh, let's phrase it this way because we can okay. break it down better. Okay. How many would you pay a first for? Sight unforeseen. Mm-hmm. Don't care about your roster construction. You have a first. You have an average team. Even if you're willing to bet on your team being better than average, so you're willing to give up your first in efforts to move your team closer to a playoff spot. How many right now would you just buy? Okay. Sight unforeseen, you would give your first. Forget about your roster construction. You could have three other top 10 running backs on your roster. You would still buy that guy just for the asset value. All right, I'm going to them in your hands. Uh, Go through Bij- Bijan Robinson, Christian McCaffrey, Jameer Gibbs, Brees Hall, Tony Pollard, for sure. That's five. Guaranteed I would buy four for it first. Not even thinking about it. Okay. Anybody else tickle your fancy that you would just give up without thinking about? Austin Eckler, I would still do it. I would still do it. I I think he's going to— Even now? Even with this injury of uh, no timetable to return and his age and— is market volatility? You still this, do it. This is the this is the it's it's pushing to the edge. But I would be willing to bet on Eckler coming back, and that's probably a, a poor bet because they're zero two right now. Brandon Staley may not survive midway through the season. It, this this seems improbable, but I still would say like if if Austin Eckler hit the block, that'd be one. Even if I had two top ten running backs, I probably probably would still give a first four, probably. Probably. What about, and this is an interesting one, uh, PJ Kennedy brought up in the chat, Jonathan Taylor, knowing that in a weird way, we talked about this the other day in voice chat, in a weird way, I almost would still potentially do it for Jonathan Taylor, only because it's it feels like I'm able to park the asset and not worry about it right now. And you I'm like, man, people he, don't want him. he may... People don't want him, Scott. I've got him in, I've got him in, a, in a Heisman tier league. I've offered him packaged up with Puka Nakua. I've offered him packaged up with Marvin Mims, Roshan. I just don't know about Taylor. I just don't know about this. This is my whole problem. I'm I'm looking at the chat, man. Everybody's talking about I would sell, sell for this. 
everyone says all this shit. And then when it's actually time to do it, uh, I don't know. I need another week to think about it. I don't think my team is quite. It's so easy to just, oh, I would do it. And then when, when, when foot is to fire, when, when fire is on behind, people don't do anything. And I think, I think that's part of the problem, too. You, you talked about this the other day. When you have an asset like a Kyron Williams or a Puka Nakua, what he's worth to you, what that player is worth to you, like you're not going to see something unless it's stupid that's going to make sense for you to move it. You know that Kyron Williams, no one's going to pay a first. You really don't want to, you want to sell for more than a second. So what do you do? You want to sell for more than a second, but nobody's going to pay you a first. So now what? And no one's going to give you a second plus Antonio Gibson, as bad as he's been. No one's going to do that. I'm not giving you Antonio Gibson and a second for Kyron Williams. So then you just hit this impasse. And then it goes back to the overarching question, do they matter? Do they? I, 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 I lean on the, on the sense of there are a handful that do, and everybody after that, from a value perspective, they don't. Is it, Ramondre Stevenson, Javonta Williams, De, even DeAndre Swift. Nobody wants to give up a first for DeAndre Swift. You're not trading him for a first. Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Aaron, Aaron, let's just say, assume Aaron Jones is healthy, he's smashing for you. He will help you win a fantasy championship this year. The war on Aaron Jones will be very high at the end of the year. But ain't nobody giving you a first for Aaron Jones, and you don't want to sell for a second. So then it just gets to this point where if you can't buy – Nobody wants to sell. Well, then how do I just, where are the calculated conviction shots? Shout out to you. I like that phrase that I can just make the bets on the Brian Robinsons, on the Kyron Williams, on the Swifts and just ride the production. We spend so much time talking about moving out, sell and buy. Nobody wants to do it. It's, it's a stale market right now. Well, and a uh, great point in the chat too, about your league mates always want to buy the guys at a discount or they want to buy your running backs. But as soon as, you want to buy one, it's, oh, man, can't give them up. How many times have we looked at the 0-2 team that's still sitting on James Conner? Can't give them up for a second, mm -mm. you know? And now, that you won't hear from them if he gets hurt and he's done and that team just flushed an asset down the drain and they took a zero, right? Because they're that's the type of guy that as soon as it's over, it's over. There is no bailout. There is no, oh, okay, now I'll sell them for a third. You know what I mean? It's And you see that all the time where people just dig their heels in and – to your point about won't pay a first for Swift, but would buy him for a second. Now it becomes, and this is where it's difficult for me. I talked about this on Destination Dynasty the other day. Someone comes to me and says, Scott, I know you like DeAndre Swift. I know you're not going to sell for a second. I know you're in your other leagues. You're not buying for a first. So then the presentation to me would be, okay, Ray, you really believe in Aaron Jones, right? Would you buy my Aaron Jones but you have to give me your DeAndre Swift and maybe a second. Maybe I even try to nickel and dime you and ask for a third. But the offer is Aaron Jones for DeAndre Swift and a second. What am I doing to you? You know exactly what I'm doing. I'm leveraging you. Leveraging me, man. I'm already looking at my roster going, hey, I have Aaron Jones in my spot. That's cool. But if Ray's going to give me DeAndre Swift and yep. he's going to give me the second, I'll just slide Swift into there. Now, do I feel better about Aaron Jones winning my league than Swift? Yeah. But there's a non-zero chance Swift could be better than Aaron Jones. That's so true. you're having to give up the leverage. So now I'm putting you in a spot where you got to be convicted in that trade. Mm -hmm. You have to go, man, I believe in. So how confident are you? Because I do think the only way to transact and the running back market is to have conviction, is to yes. say, here are my league winners. It's A, B, and C, and I'm willing to give up the anti-leverage to go get them because the person that has them is probably not going to sell for the 80% of the market price. Even if they don't need them, they're not just going to hand them to me on a platter. So it's like I'm going to have to give them probably the leverage, probably the pick mm -hmm. plus the other running back. Then it gets into this where, and this is what happens in Heisman Leagues, between you and I and other, other patrons and other people that are in the Heisman, like – they ain't giving up the leverage. So nobody does anything. They're just, everybody just sits on what they drafted and you better hope it works out because everyone is so scared to give up the leverage. So how do you analyze the conviction? Like you're going to run into it in some of your teams where yeah. you, what you have isn't going to win it, but you also know like, man, to get anything done, I'm going to have to go and give up it. the leverage. How do you, you analyze gotta, that? Uh, you just do it. You just do you, it? You, you just, just do it? 
I'll say this. I'm not doing it in week three. Like I'm not giving up the leverage now. That's, I think that's the bigger point. If, yep. and, and, and what you risk by doing that is you risk Scott selling off Aaron Jones to somebody else. You know what? If that happens, then so be it. But I'm not giving up that leverage now. I, I would prefer to have Aaron Jones over DeAndre Swift. And I do agree with you. There's a non-zero chance that Swift outscores Aaron Jones the rest of the way. And if my roster was truly set up in a way to go get it, and I feel like adding Aaron Jones just adds to the chances, it it doesn't help me get over the top. It's just giving me some extra padding, an additional rocket, some some more fuel on the back. I mean, at some point, you just got to do it. Like the, I don't think people understand how difficult it is to win in competitive leagues, even in a even in a dynasty league. Man, it's not easy when you're playing with sharp managers. So when you have a true opportunity. To win it, to and it's not just about the money, man. Like you, you want to be able to construct and maneuver and work your way through a grind. Like that's the ultimate goal is to win these things. You've got to take those calculated chances. Now, I'm not going to do that when my QB two is Bryce Young. Uh, this would be my RB one and Aaron Jones. My tight end is Chigo Conquo, and I somehow snuck into the playoffs. And I think Aaron Jones is going to give me that boost to get me. No, I'm talking about I'm a top two, three seed. I'm one of the highest scoring teams in the league. I know that my team is set up to go. I would give you the leverage. Knowing I would try to work it down a little bit, right? I'd be like, look, man, I can't do Swift in a second, but I'll give you, I'll give you Swift in two thirds. You know, can we, can we, can we meet somewhere in the middle when the time is right? And then yeah, you you've got if you want to win, there's going to be moments where you have to take calculated shots. And I think that's okay. I think so many people are afraid to do that. That's the problem. I think it's the fear to make those shots and be wrong. And if I make that bet, Scott, and I'm wrong, damn, man, you know, it is what it is, man. It just is what it is. But you can't be paralyzed and not make a move. That People talk about the worst place to be in Dynasty is in the middle. True, but the worst type of Dynasty manager is the one that is just paralyzed, That is that is overthinks everything, that always thinks that I have to win every win. And I'm using air quotes for those of y'all that aren't watching Every side of the trade. I can't be left. Sometimes it's all right to be leveraged. You know what? I got leveraged here, but it was a, it, it, this is a strong conviction bet. And that's okay, man. That's all right. Yeah. I mean, it is, it does feel like that is where a lot of my trade negotiations occur is in some point of leverage on either side. And it's not always me trying to get the leverage. There are times where I'm trying to package a couple pieces up to get one because I have the right roster construction, but you know, back to your point about how many running backs are worth a first. Let's just go through, we can do running backs, but just think everybody in your heads, how many players, when I say players in dynasty, I'm talking quarterbacks, receivers, tight ends, running backs, are truly worth a random, and when I say random, I hate to say any first, because then someone goes, oh yeah, I've won three straight titles and I've had the 112 three straight right. years. That is not any first. That is a first where you will throw that around to, anything that will come home with you at night you're you're taking it you know what i mean whereas if i'm one and one and i'm not sure about my team and i'm dangling my future first out there it better be a deal where i look at that and say okay this may be giving some risk up but that deal helps me it plugs two people in my lineup it, it helps me fill two holes because i'm taking the risk nothing's worse than you take a gamble early in the year you trade away your first things go to hell and it's the 103 and you look back in a year and you go man i traded that first for aaron jones and Cortland sutton this and both it. of them have no value yep and i gave away the 103 i mean those are the worst trades that you yep. feel the worst about in the offseason when they didn't work so a lot of my deals where i'm in the middle i have to ask for the leverage back if i'm giving away my prized asset with like a first round pick it isn't for a one for one it isn't going to be i'll give you a first for ramondre you know, it's got to be more than that. You got to give me another chance to help myself, not just the one for one bet, because I'm giving up all the insulation and I'm getting back a damn running back, which could be a, a, a landmine in a week or two. So, to that question, let's go to the sell side, Ray. You have the right roster construction on your team, mm -hmm. you're looking for some liquidation back. Mm hmm excluding the guys that you would easily pay a first for, 
I'm assuming you're not selling any of those guys for a straight up no. first either. The Pollards. No. Okay. So no. it needs to be a package or you need the leverage to Correct. sell one of those guys in the league. Okay. Or a cro- After- or, or bare minimum, which I just don't do these trades, but the a cross positional trade that just, it made sense, but that rarely right. happens. Yes. Right. So after those names, which I think you listed six with Eckler, five. let's go five. Eckler's out. Like that, that's seasonal league. If I'm if I needed to go get it this year, I may take a bet. But overall, those five, it's it's five. It's five and five and, only. And that's good. If you have to do any of that analysis, if yes. if if then yes, that's not yes. that doesn't count. Yes. Okay. So after that, how many running backs? Not would you sell for a first because the the list would be pretty much endless. How many could you actually get a true, even if it's 2025, a true first where you look at it and go, all right, that's not the 2-0 and team, back-to-back defending champ where he's desperate to trade away his first. How many could you get a truly like, hey, that's a risky pick. I'm taking risk, but I'm giving you a potential league winner. How many of those running backs could you sell for a first to the right team that has already put it out there? Hey, I want to buy a running back who's available. How many do you think you could sell for a first? What's your pulse on the market? Off of this think? list, off of this list, realistically, pulse on the market, maybe two. Two. Who, who's in your head? Jonathan Taylor, because we didn't mention him in the first part. That's one. What? And then I would say ETN is another one with one big game. You might be able to get a first for ETN. He's explosive. He's fast. Maybe. Like, that's... JT, for sure, I think you can get a first for ETN. You got some ETN truthers out there. He is, ex- he might be the only one. But other than that, I'm looking down this list, and he's even questionable. No one's given, no one's, Ramondre not happening in most cases. Jacob's not happening in most cases. Cook, Saquon, it should be Saquon, but people aren't going to do that. Like, not right now. They, they don't want to yeah, do he- that. He's a contingency. If he comes back and he's healthy, maybe you get a first for him. Uh, Ken, Ken Walker, you think? No, I do not think. Nope. nope. I do not think. Kenneth Walker, no. James Cook, no. Javonta Williams, no. Derrick Henry, no. Brian Robinson, no. Pierce, no. Aaron Jones, Mixon, Rashad White, yada, yada. It's nothing out there. Nothing after that. Nothing after that. And the funny part is the one that you probably, probably should on a strong contending team, pay a first for. He's valued as RB28, and that's and he's 28 years old. So, you know, I'm not paying that for Alvin Kamara, but he's probably going to smash as soon as he comes back. Yeah, I mean, and Chubb was probably one of the guys you could have sold for a first before the yes. injury, and then you saw how that evaporated. So I, I think the point is, after those two or three names that you mentioned, the analysis then becomes, you can't even expect somebody to come to you with a first. So if you're sitting out there trying to dangle... Rashad White for a first, James Cook for a first. You know, you're you're not going to get that deal done in most leagues unless the person is willing to take the convicted bet and give up the first. So what does the analysis become, Ray, when someone comes to you and goes, hey, I'm interested in buying your James Cook? Right, anyone that heard Ray, Ray's not super high on James Cook. So there's he may be a motivated seller as a content creator. You're somebody that's put your thoughts out there about James Cook. Mm-hmm. You would listen if someone came to you with an offer. Yes. But you you also, what would go through your mind if I said, Ray, I'm interested in buying James Cook. I'll offer a second, and I'm also willing to throw in, I don't know, Jonathan Mingo. Mm-hmm. Is that the type of deal where you're going to say, I need to look at my roster construction? Is that the type of deal where you go, all right, I know I'm not getting a first, mm-hmm. especially not from myself or – you know, Chase or Cody or Ty Declare, nobody in there is going to do that because they've all Correct. listened to you say he's not worth a first. So mm-hmm. what's your analysis look like when you get one of those offers? Because if you don't do anything, you're just in the, the paralyzed category that you right. talked about earlier. But what do you do? What I do might be a little different than what you do, but when I see something like that come through, immediately I'm like, okay, they understand that 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 they, I'm going to need some leverage in this deal for what they're trying to offer. So they're packaging up a young player and a pick. So I'm interested. I'm looking at their roster, and my assessment is, how bad do they really want my James Cook? Because I know, even though I don't believe in him, I know the market believes in him, and I know there's good opportunity there on a good offense. I'm trying to pander and cater to that fact. Not so much that I have to keep that James Cook, but what I don't want to do, the one thing, I see a lot of people mess up leverage trades by just, 
oh, I got the leverage right there. I got Mingo and the second, I'm good. Mm, I, I don't think Mingo's the type of player that I'm actually trying to get. So my initial reaction would be, okay, let me, let me leave Jonathan Mingo in there to make him feel like he or she feel like I respect that offer. But I'm going to add something else to that James Cook, and I'm going to go ask for the player that I really want. I'm going to kick you back a Marvin Mims with my James Cook, and can I get, along with that Jonathan Mingo, and I'm just throwing a name out there, can I get DeAndre Swift? Can I get a Brian Robinson on top of that for my James Cook and, 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 and whatever, Jonathan Mingo or second-round pick? So I'm trying to counter with the same sort of leverage deal kick them back something else good. Maybe it's a Roshan, whatever that other thing is to get the asset that I really want. Because I know you, when, when you offer me something, I know you want that thing more than I'm ready to let it go. Like I just off the rip, I'm just like, okay, you want what I have. So you'll listen, you will entertain. And one of the things that I've preached to people, Scott, for years, I am one that will walk away from a deal. Like it doesn't have to be like, it's not some big thing. I'm not like F you. We're not going to do it. I'm, Ah, man, really don't like it. You know, maybe we can work something out down the line. Nine out of 10 times, about two and a half hours after that conversation ends, another trade will hit your inbox. All right, man. All right. I thought it over. Let's go ahead and do it. Or can we try this one more time? Absolutely. Because at that point, I really, I got you. I'm reeling you in at this point. You've taken the bait. I've hooked you. And I'm bringing you into the boat. We're, we're getting you there. So that's, that's sort of a long-winded way of how I do it. When you send me a letter, like, I'm just going to look back and see, okay, how can I re-leverage the leverage that you sent me to get the asset that I really want? Because I don't really want Jonathan Mingo. And I know that you don't want Jonathan Mingo. And that's the bigger part of it. You put that player in there because you don't give a damn about them being on your roster or not. So let me go get what I want because I know what you want. So that's how I work it. Yeah, I think that that three-minute breakdown is just gold for everybody listening because basically what Ray said is, he got offered a leverage deal and you turned it around and basically put their feet to the fire and you sniffed out what their intent was. Their intent was their intent to get James cook or was their intent to leverage you? And if they come back with, Oh man, I, I need the leverage, right? You know, I, I need, I need the two pieces. Yeah. Otherwise I'm not going to do the deal because as soon as you turn it around and you're packaging your James cook, with another piece, so Boom. you can up tier at receiver or quarterback or something like that. All of a sudden, they're not interested yep. because they were really only interested. And and this is, I'll I'll call myself out here. I get caught doing this a lot because <laughs> I am so process oriented. I'll just go through and go. Let's see. I have too many shares of this player. Let me just send a bunch of leverage trades. I'm probably very open with the leverage that I can get back as long as I can get it. Yes. But if someone turns around and goes, hmm, okay, well, your goal here really wasn't to trade me that player. It was just to diversify and get some leverage on your roster. <laughs> as soon as I now have to add that piece to another pick of mine to go get one of your pieces, I go, ah, man, that this isn't the league for me to do that trade. And then I walk away and I've been caught. I've been caught basically just trying to process trade. I'm not actually interested in the player that I right. came to you with. Now, if you propose back a leverage deal where you're getting the one piece, you're getting the one strong piece in this case, and they come back to you with a slightly different offer, do you look and make sure if it's in the form of the deal that you wanted, now we're talking. Now yes. we're probably going to get a deal done because we're just having to work out the details. Yes. But you flipped the intent of the trade and you sniffed out what the other person was trying to do. I think that's key, especially in these weird zones where nobody will give a first and nobody will sell for a second, inevitably somebody's asking for the leverage and somebody's going to have to be willing to eat it or accept that they're not going to get it in this deal for the deal to get done. Because I, it happens weekly where, man, not worth a first, can't, won't sell for a second. So what the hell does the deal look like? Like both people have to come to some sort of compromise. So I think that's a fascinating discussion that you just brought up. Love it. So can I can I put some player name to this entire conversation? Because I, I think what I want to make sure that we do, and, and holler at us in the chat, and right after this, um, inside the Discord, about five minutes after the stream ends, we're going to continue this conversation. So if you want to get in there, patreon.com forward slash all gas, get in, join the Heisman tier, check it out, do it at a reduced cost right now because at the end of the month it's going away. Five minutes, we're continuing this conversation 
But people still are, Scott, and I'm going to keep, do they matter? Should you be drafting them? Should you be investing in these running backs? I mean, I, I, I know that people won't pay this, but literally to look at this list of top 15 running backs two weeks into the season, man, two weeks into the season, if I told you there was a world where Kyron Williams, DeAndre Swift, Brian Robinson, Rashad White, Roshan Johnson, like these guys all ahead of Alvin Kamara and David Montgomery and Isaac. Like, it's just insane, the market for this position. Even a player like Jameer Gibbs, we're talking about what we would and would not sell for for those assets. Here's another question for you, Scott. Offer hit your inbox for your Jameer Gibbs, and it's a first in Brian Robinson for Jameer Gibbs you sell? Because I'm not paying you two first for him. I'm not giving you two first-round picks for Jameer Gibbs, and I'm not giving you three for Bijan Robinson. So if I send you a first and a, a comparable, starting, volume-based, younger running back, are you accepting that for And I'm just using Robinson, and I know you play but are you accepting that type of deal for your Jameer Gibbs, for your Brees Hall? Are you taking Rashad White and a first for Brees Hall? Are you trading your Brees Hall for you know, Roshan Johnson, a first and a third. Like, how do you navigate that market? Because the people that have those assets, Christian McCaffrey, Brees Hall, Jameer Gibbs, Bijan Robinson, we'll kind of throw Jonathan Taylor in there. Pollard's a little different, but no one's paying, no one's giving you two firsts for Pollard. Not in any sharp league. It's not happening. Even Jameer Gibbs or Brees Hall, people aren't doing that for the most part. Like, how do you navigate those waters on the opposite end of the spectrum to not get screwed over trading away one of the true difference makers that could be that type of asset like a Christian McCaffrey. Because I don't want to trade that away. I don't, give a, I don't give a damn how much leverage I'm getting. I don't want to willingly move off of Christian McCaffrey. I don't want to give up that, that point differential, which I know it's different than it was eight years ago, but it's still relative to today. I don't want to willingly move off of that. So how do you navigate those waters? So I think you have to analyze who you're trading away first and just acknowledge that it's very hard to hit that Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara level. So if you've been able to rectify with, okay, Gibbs could be that. Everything says he could be that. But you're also willing to say, you know what? If he's 10, 20% less, he's worth way more than 10 to 20% less. It's significantly less. Getting into kind of almost replaceable level in a way. You know what I mean? So... I think you have to do that analysis, so definitely be careful if you're trading away one of those guys where you go, man, if this all comes together, I have an asset everybody will love, and I have an asset that is a difference maker at the position, which as we go forward next year, the year after, if everybody just continues to play this way, having a couple of those sprinkled around is going to be important. It's going to matter even more relative to the rest of the league than it has the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Now, on the contrary, though, I do think... The main theme of this, and I see a bunch of questions in the chat asking about Cam Akers and Jerome Ford and all these guys. The bottom line is for me, and this is the theme of all of this, this is why we started this by talking about roster construction and you keep saying, do running backs matter? Where we're at now is running backs essentially matter for what they can do for my team, however it's constructed. What you don't want to do and I think most people are already kind of agreeing with this, what you don't want to do is be holding a lot of your overall team value in the form of running backs. Okay. And so go to Dynasty Daddy's a good site, but there's many of them that'll basically tell you the value of your team. Keep Trade Cuddle, do it. And when we say value, it's literally how much total value do you have? That doesn't count what war are you actualizing, your straight lineup, nothing. But it'll tell you how much value do you have overall dynasty value on your roster. And you just probably don't want to be holding a bunch of excess value on your team. So what I do is if I have a Cam Akers and he just went to Minnesota today, you know what? That's probably one where if I look at my roster and I go, there's not a world where I'm probably betting much on Cam Akers this year to crack my lineup because I have six or seven other guys that are in the same tier. Liquidate. Take advantage of the fact that there is a 24-hour cam Akers window right now right because he's in the news take take the two-thirds take the 25 second you know what i mean just don't store that value just understanding that it's not that he could get injured again and be worthless 
he could just be worthless because he can't even get into anybody's lineup. So people asking about, should I trade Jerome Ford? Should I trade Josh Kelly? Should I trade Zach Moss? Are they in your lineup? Is it a lineup league where you need to set a lineup and are you going, man, I might click Zach Moss this week? Then don't sell him. But if he's your fifth running back and you're not using him and someone says, I'll give you a third and a fourth, what do you hold them for? So I think you just have to do that analysis of how much running back equity are you holding on your dynasty team? And best ball is different than, than, than lineups. Well, to answer best that question, ball. they're holding him because he's a start. He's the starter running back for the Colts. That's why I'm holding him. I don't care that he's my RB5. He's a starter running back for the Colts. I'm not giving you him for a third and a fourth. Okay, so what would you take if you're not using him from a trade standpoint? Knowing you're, he's never going to be worth a second. Well, let me, let me ask you this. That's if you I believe want. that, okay, but let's say he doesn't fit the parameter of a guy you can sell for a second because no one's giving you a second for Zach Moss, right? Nobody is. You might be able to go to the guy above Zach Moss, sell him for a second. Would you do that? Would you sell the, try and think of a guy that's in that range. Would you sell like a- Khalil Herbert? Khalil I'm, Herbert, uh, I'm, I'm AJ Dillon, that type. Would you get- Mostert, Madison, Dylan, Gainwell, Herbert, Jalen Warren, Kendra Miller. Raheem Mostert, perfect example. 31-year-old yes. running yes. back that yes. anything snaps, it's over forever. Yes. So what you would do is you'd probably rather start Raheem Mostert than Zach Moss. Probably. But you can't get the second for Zach Moss. You may be able to get a 25-second for Raheem Mostert. You so what so? you do is you... Keep going. Just, my, just, I'm just talking. My point Keep is... Going. When you have that idea and you have a bunch of running backs that you're going, man, I don't know who to play. Part of the theory is sell the ones you can get the most for, understanding that, right? I mean, is is Raheem Mostert probably going to be in a range where it kills you if you trade him away? No. Probably not. No. So find those tiers and move the ones that you can move and don't be stuck on, I need a second for Zach Moss because that's not happening. So I think just thinking that way, though, you never know when you, because here's the thing. You now remove Raheem Mostert from your roster. What are you going to do? You just start Zach Moss. Mm -hmm. Your life got easier because you don't have to pick now. And you netted that second, which in theory, you should be able to go back and use later and throw into a deal. Maybe get an anti-leverage deal. That's how you maybe fuel that Aaron Jones deal down the road because you got that extra second sitting around. So being able to think about it that way, that's how I'm going to play running backs. I don't see another way you can do it. Just don't have too much value on your roster that you're not using. If you can't actualize the war, there is no reason to have a team that has seven running backs that you could trade for at least a third or more on your roster at one time. That, that that's how that's why they really don't matter. They matter what can they do for me right now? And if I'm not using them, are they really valuable? What are they? If they're not in my lineup. Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to go do a quick sweep on Twitter on uh Cam Akers, and I just want to read just a few of the uh, reactions. Just to re read a few of these. It's a full article. Forbes. Forbes article at that. My goodness. Minnesota Vikings. Take your fantasy advice from Forbes. Minnesota Vikings upgrade run game trade acquisition of Cam Akers. I've got Cam Akers and Kyron Williams on my team. God is real. Cam Akers heading to the Vikings. Whoa. Followed by a thousand explanation points. Fantasy pickup of the season right there. And then the final one, the final one that I see is a, a tweet from at purple for the win. Replacing Dalvin with a younger version of himself is cold as ice. And it's two side-by-side -side numbers of their combine stuff. How big acres was it to combine compared to D Dalvin Cook? And that is the... Uh, some of the reaction that I'm seeing on Cam Akers right now. God is real. God is real, Scott. Man, that, I love the one of, I had Kyron and Akers, and now I feel like I've just inherited two bell cows. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> that, that one just get that, that cracks me up. But it, it's funny, though, because we can do a future show on this, but just let's tease the audience real quick before we sign off. What yeah. does this look like? It, it's easy for us to sit here and say we can play the day trading stock game with running backs. Do I need one this week? Can I go trade for one? Right. Did I just hit on the Acres window or the Jerome Ford window? Or, hey, I had Kareem Hunt, and now I can probably sell him when no one wanted to touch him 48 hours ago. What does this look like 
going forward though when we look into the off season when because here's what happens in the off season 90 percent of the running life landscape what happens to it it oh, resets resets man the, the, yeah. the, the, the mosterts of the world don't touch them in the nope. off season i'll collect them for free but anything more than that man i don't know what they're going to do with them next year and that's damn near every running back situation ah they might draft a guy they may draft a guy in round four which is going to push him for his job you know like you're going to hear that on more players than ever at the running back position but then you look forward and you go ray is it really with the running back classes incoming we've talked about this on prior shows there are no bell cows. You're not getting many no. 220 plus pound bell cow guys coming in. You're not getting a Bijan or even a Gibbs every year. No. So how appealing is it for you to save up all those future late first, early to mid seconds to just pound the A chains and the Roshans? Like it almost feels like I don't even want to do that with my picks. And if everyone takes that strategy, who the hell are we taking with late first, early seconds and stuff next year when everyone goes, ah, man. Because we're on a trend right now where damn near every running back this year that got drafted in that range, they've been poison pills. Yep. You know, Charbonnet, Kendra, like, man, that wasn't worth the 112. That wasn't worth the 201s. We don't I mean, we don't what's that look them. like in the future? Of we like, we, do we you just make- not draft those guys when you know you can go buy a guy that's has a job easily for a second whenever you can later on? I think the way that we probably should be navigating this, and it's and I'm gonna call ourselves out. I'm calling you out and I'm calling me out. It's easy to say this shit today. And then once we finish the season and we go through the draft cycle and that Trey Benson's looking good and that who met Marshawn Lloyd somehow is getting some buzz, you're we're gonna want to make some of those selections. When the real answer is after a certain range of rookie draft picks and historical data can show it, it's just it, you're better off trading it and trying to find some veteran that's going to give you some – like you're better off going to just use that capital and go buy something else instead of in, use, blowing the 110 on Devon A-Chain, blowing the 108 on Kendra Mel- It just – that's probably what we should be doing. But what will happen is come February and March and April, we will tell ourselves a story that Chase Brown's going to walk into some opportunity. I'm telling you, Scott, he's going to get it in that offense. And we're going to blow picks on these running backs. And another topic for a different day, I do want to reexamine how we look at some of these wide receivers in certain situations that they may land into moving forward. Not to say that every every receiver is going to be a puka naku or anything like that, but I think there will have to be more calculated shots And I want you to say something before we get out of here. we got one minute left. Um, I'll I'll wrap by saying this. I I think looking ahead, when we just look back at the 2020 class that was supposed to change the game, think about all those running backs that were the top five, six running backs. I'm going to just list them off in no particular order. DeAndre Swift, we still don't know, but he's in the league. Okay, hit. That's good. Jonathan Taylor, he's JT, but he ain't playing now. J.K. Dobbins, career over. Cam Akers, traded for a 26th, 7th round pick. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, nothing. Antonio Gibson, nothing. A.J. Dillon, nothing. And that was, the, that, was the, that was just the 2020 class. So don't be surprised when we look up in two years and this whole top 10, Gibbs is dust. And I know it's, I, I do think Bijan will be one of the mold breakers that gets to last, but would you be shocked if in three years people are, I don't even know if I want that Bijan Robinson anymore. I mean, that's just, this is the game. And saying this to not, today may sound insane, but people would have thought it was insane in 2020. Pfft, Ray, you don't think Dobbins and, and, and Swift? and It was all Dobbins. Wait until year two. Wait until JK goes into year two. So I want you to close with this, Scott, before we get out of here and head to the AMA. All teams that are non-contenders, what should they be doing with running backs at the end of the season? And we'll remind them, but you said something in our Discord the other day that if you've got a team that's a rebuilder, you're not competing, by the end of the season, you should carry how many running backs on that roster? Uh, effectively, unless you can say it's Bijan, then it's probably Bijan gives. If it's that list you'd easily right. pay a first for, outside of that, zero. Literally zero. Do not sit there Todd and tell Chandler, yourself a story you where... Hold, hold some of those... Those Ty Chandlers, those those Jerome Fords, those Chase Browns, you want to carry those on your roster at the end of the year? It's not it, those aren't even the poison pills. It's the man, wait till next year for Kendra Miller when he takes over. Wait for Zach Charbonnet. You know, it's it's the ones where 
six months down the road, we're going to go, man, Blake Corum, Bengals draft him in the second. He's just going to take every Joe Mixon touch until you get on the field and you go, "Ah, actually, he's not. You know, like that's the story we're going to tell ourselves. We probably have to change this discourse about if you're a day two running back, you're going to be the starter. (laughs) Could it happen? Yes. But is that the NFL team's intent? Probably not. They're probably just drafting another guy that they can use in some form of a committee or some specific role going forward. So if you are not contending, play your market. I mean, try to sell guys for what you can. But if push comes to shove and you've tried to sell Jerome Ford and the best offer is two-thirds, what are you doing nickel and diamond somebody going, I need a second? You know, let it go. At least by the end of the year, liquidate what you can. Because here's the beauty of it. You can build a robust running back, running back room damn quick in a league. If you have the assets to pay, you get to next September, next August, next July, you can buy a nice running back room. You may not want to, but you can. They will be available both in rookie drafts and on the market from trade. So just don't get stuck holding the bag on a lot of running backs that you can move for value now. End rant. Appreciate everybody being in the building. Uh, Scott and I will be here every single Wednesday. Make sure you tap in, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. We'll get the alert out a little earlier so you guys can know the topic going into it. But we appreciate everybody's love and support chilling with us tonight. Go to Patreon. Go to the website, DestinationDevy.com. We've got fantastic content creators pumping out content every single day. A lot of good stuff going on over there. Appreciate y'all. Y'all be chill. We'll see y'all on Wednesday. Come to the Discord, too, before I hit end up broadcast. Get in the Discord. Let's go.